Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family. We chose this one. This is episode 275, The Iron Giant from 1999. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by FPC. That's FPC1.com. FPC International is a family company headquartered in South South Point, Ohio. And their primary product is a fuel additive that reduces emissions, increases efficiency, and reduces wear for your diesel engines. That's including Ferris pick rate. Shout out to FPC. Sure. Well, shout out to FPC and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever with us tonight. And I had to clarify because this is a guest, this is a guest who's been on our show before. Yes. But more recently, he's been on my other show, 1999, the podcast. And this Ooh. movie, as I just mentioned, came out in 1999. And I was like, hey, do you still want to do this for Too Fast? He's like, well, or maybe I said, do you want to still want to talk about Iron Giant? He's like, is this going to preclude me from other movies? And I was like, no. Well, no, and he's like, well, we just talked about the other one. So I was like, oh, wait, no, right movie, wrong podcast. <laughs> I will say, though, so this is our 150th movie, different movie that we've covered for this podcast. Oh. Uh, we covered one other 1999 film. Our guest today is Aaron Newarth. Hello, Aaron. Not Aaron. I am Superman. You are Superman. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm welcoming you in because I want you guys to play a guessing game. There's one other 1999 movie. Um, obviously, the Fast and Furious franchise started in earnest in 2001, so it's not one of the core movies. But can either of you guess or remember the one 1999 movie that we have covered for this show? Let's Other than this one. Was it Pitch Black? Was it another Vin movie? That's 2000. No. Okay. Um, 1999. And I will say that there is – it's one of the actors from the Fast and Furious is in this movie. It's not one of those – like it's not like a car movie. It's not like a weird okay. kind of memory loss. But there's an actor from the Fast and Furious. She's all that? No, nope. we didn't do that one. <laughs> but you're, you're you're not wildly far off, kind of. I figured it's something along these lines. What other... I was gonna say four Wait, who's brothers. in She's All That from Fast and Furious? Paul Walker. Oh, well then you're really close. Oh, okay. Oh, the skulls. That's terrible. No, that was '98. I think we covered Joe loves the skulls. That movie. Of those 2000. I 2000. love it. 2000. Deep we blue? covered that too. Deep blue. See into into the blue. Into the blue. That's what I meant. Yeah. Deep blue C is '99, but we have not covered that. Into yet. the blue is like 2004 or five. Yeah. Uh, no, but it is a Paul Walker movie from '99. Rick Mansions. Oh. No, that was too late. That was later. That's, that's his last movie. I, I yeah. just I can't hear myself think. <laughs> that's Paul Walker. And I will 99. say we covered it recently. We didn't cover for the Paul Walker lap because that was like our first lap that we did. First Varsity Blues. Lap. Yes, sir. Oh. Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. Where Paul Walker is the injured quarterback. We covered that. For the Super Bowl a couple years ago, that's, and that's, good, that's the only other pick. 1999 movie that we've covered for this podcast. So. Excellent. Well, we picked the two best ones, so clearly you should just yeah, yeah, that's, cancel that's your other podcast and just <laughs> roll it over. Well, I will say, in in the history of 1999, this movie came out the same day as a little known movie called The Sixth Sense, and even oh, though shit. this. Even though this movie was a critical darling, they were both critical darlings, this flopped hard at the box office. This had a budget of 70 million, made like 23. That had a budget of like 40 and made almost 700. So like everyone just saw that movie and no one saw this movie, but they're both now beloved 1999 classics. Um, we have not Did covered this Did you say this, this movie had a budget of $70 million? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's bananas to me. And it only made 23 at the box office. And so, movies aren't cheap. 
Yeah. I guess not. Yeah. This is also only the second ever animated movie that Warner did behind Space Jam, which kind of counts, but I guess, you know, it's it's not entirely animated, but it's heavily animated. Yeah. But the reason I think it's also very expensive, Joe, and Aaron can sort of back me up on this if this is right, is that I think it's the first ever like fully CGI'd character or something like that, or maybe CGI character into into an animated movie like the work oh. they did blending the cgi giant they had to do all this extra work to like figure out how to make him look more hand-drawn even though he's cgi to give him sort of a little bit of a different pop like they're, they're doing new things here yeah first okay. traditionally animated feature to have a major character the title character fully computer generated so it's That's, like they're yeah. trying something new i was just going to add one the quest for camelot is the other another Warner Brothers animated movie um, that was also a giant bomb. Uh, oh. Warner Brothers did not have a lot of luck when it came to uh, animated features. I believe um, no Titan Titan East Fox, but yeah, Quest for Camelot. That's the other one. That's, and it uh, does it does feel like Space Jam should have been a hit. I mean, probably was a hit. This Space feels Jam, like Space Jam was a hit. <laughs> it this was a big, should have been a hit because critics loved it. It just you know I guess I ran into the buzzsaw of Have, have you seen the trailer? Six it's six awful. Sense. I have um, not. We're gonna watch it later. It's, I, I'm it's very an curious. awful trailer that does nothing to set up what this movie is. It's it's if anything luring people away, being like, why should I see this at all? Like that's what the trailer does. They should just be like, hey, it's Superman with a giant iron giant, and it looks beautiful. And people are like, oh, I'll go see it. You know, whatever. But why am I seeing that? It's not Disney. It's not this newfangled thing called Pixar. Why should I watch the Iron oh, Giant based yeah. off this trailer that looks awful when I can see The Sixth Sense, a movie where I immediately understand what the premise is? That That's is a <laughs> very, very, very fair point. So now, Joe, you said you have never seen this movie before or this week, correct? No. Really? No, no, no. I had never seen this movie before. No, because I think, okay. you know, 90, 99, I was like. Because you watched the trailer. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. No, but ninety nine, like, I, what was I? I was ten in ninety nine. So maybe this was like, like you know, you're trying to skirt things that are childish when you're about mm-hmm. that age type situation. You became a man. You put away childish things, just like it says in the Bible. Exactly. Like that's pretty much what happened. No, but like you know, like I had at that point, I had a younger sister, and I think she like it was like me trying to watch stuff that's much older to separate myself, and yep. her watching stuff that's childish, but like directed at when she was three. Then, so you know, like much younger audience. So yeah. So no, I'd never seen this before. Aaron, was this one that you had seen in theaters, or when was the first time you saw this movie? I did not see this in theaters. I was busy seeing The Sixth Sense that weekend, apparently, because yep. I did see that. Yeah. Uh, but I did not see this until uh, way later, honestly. Uh, not way later, but I mean a few a few years later. Um, it eventually became – it used to be a Thanksgiving staple on Cartoon Network oh, uh, back in the day. It was, that's it was, cute. Similar to like Christmas Story being on yeah. TBS for 24 hours. They did Iron Giant 24 hours on Cartoon Network for a time. Um, and so I, I caught up with it around then. I want to say that's like 2002, 2003 ish when I actually caught up. I don't know why I waited so long. I probably just because things were different back then. VHSs and whatnot that right. you know, won't come out till later. And if you don't see it, you don't see it. Uh, but I, but since then, I've seen it many, many times because it's an absolute great movie. So. Yes. Yeah, it's not like today where it's like, oh, I didn't get to go to the theaters this weekend and see the movie. Oh, it's on VOD already? Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like, I guess I will just, you know, watch it here. Unless you're top press gun. a button on my yeah. TV and it's there. <laughs> yeah. Unless, exactly. unless you're top gun, exactly. <laughs> I think I saw this for the first – I know I saw this for the first time in college just during my, like, grand catch-up of all movies ever. So I think it was probably some summer I just watched it. So I've only seen it a couple times. This is directed by – so if you've not seen The Iron Giant, it's not streaming for free anywhere, unfortunately. It's rentable, though. 
Aaron, as a writer for, or as the creator, what's your role with Why So Blue? Is that your whole thing, or is that just a site you write for? I don't remember your affiliation with Why So Blue. Why So Blue is a site that I write for, and okay. I'm, I guess, technically the editor for, but the main site I write for and am the managing editor for is uh, We Live Entertainment. Gotcha. So I would assume that given your, you know, like-mindedness to me and physical media, you own the Blu-ray for this. No, not you... only do I have the Blu-ray, I have the signature collector's box yes. edition of oh. it or whatever it is. Like it's oh. this, a fancy Warner Brothers box that had like a little little Iron Giant figure, an art book, the, the, obviously the signature. It's like this whole fancy thing. So yeah, I, I was excited when this came out in the deluxe edition release. So now there are at least two versions. There's the theatrical and then the signature edition. Yes. Did you watch the signature edition? Did you watch the original? Are you a purist for one or the other? I don't have much of a, like, for this, I watched the theatrical because I hadn't in a while. I think I've just been generally watching the signature edition. I imagine that's probably, like, the, it's been a while since I've actually thought about the differences, which or had to consider what the differences are. I think that beyond just, like, a few additional sequences, there's also just cleanup, you know, like, general, like, cleanup on the animation and whatnot. And, right. And that's, you know, Brad Bird's preferred version or whatnot. Like, I'd certainly recommend, you know. You're not going to lose either way watching these. It's not like a significant difference between the two. So like, you know, if, if it's a first time watch, you know, I don't begrudge anyone choosing one over the other. I'd say the signature version is probably like my preferred one, but it's not like, you know, I'm a, going out of my way to, to stop people from watching the other one. It seems like the signature version, I don't know what's out there rentable. Joe, do you know which one? Did you watch the regular and signature? Do you know which version you watched? Because they're, 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 they're like a minute apart. I watched the signature version. Okay. Um, I don't know what's rentable, though. Because there's a scene where there's like a dream sequence yeah. where he envisions his Iron Giant's race that was added, and then um, the conflict that drove him to crash on Earth, like that's in the signature tradition. They also changed the TV to show an ad for Tomorrowland, which coincidentally became a movie that Brad Bird would direct. So like, ah. they're like, but like they did that before the movie. I don't know. Like it's like it doesn't seem like yeah. it's radically different, but it also, it also does sort of seem like a hey, stop kind of tweaking with things. I mean, there's a whole podcast on our network, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar where the whole premise of that is like Francis Ford Coppola won't stop fucking with his movies we're going to talk about every version of every one of his movies right so like there's a there's a history of people doing this it doesn't seem like they're radically different I think it's only about a minute different in total but like so if you're out there if you pay to rent it wherever you rent it whichever version I think is is fine like it's not like there's a definitive one that's clearly better than the other but you know but if you have not seen the Iron Giant yet, the, the the plot is very simple. A young boy befriends a giant robot from outer space that a paranoid government agent wants to destroy. So like I was saying, this is directed by Brad Bird, who would go on to do the Ratatouille movie, both Incredibles movies, oh, Tomorrowland, cool. like I mentioned, and also sort of seemingly out of left field, but one of the best action movies of the century, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. And I still don't really understand how he wound up there, but Ghost Protocol is like the second best, in my opinion, in that franchise, and he knocked it out of the park there. So like, that's amazing. But the other sort of sad background to this is that his sister was shot and killed by an estranged husband. And so he wanted to make this as like a memorial to her with the idea of what if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun? Like, what if you're a weapon? What if you're built or born to be a weapon, but you don't want to inhabit that? And so he made a movie about that. And that's like so, so profoundly sad. But like, I think, you know, if you're going to make a memorial to someone, this is a pretty good memorial. Two things to add on Bird uh, real quick. One, as far as Ghost Protocol goes... It's because Tom Cruise um, watches 
everything mm-hmm. and he saw Incredibles he's like this guy is amazing with action I need to like contact him and get him to do my movie like that's literally what happened he just he called because he can't he's Tom Cruise he can just call yeah. people and just be like hey I want you to do this thing let's talk yeah and the other thing with Brad Bird he, he like the the nerd cred that he has was all the work they did on the Simpsons um from the year in the early years oh, in the early run. He was big, okay big work on the you know he's a writer as well as animated like he he had a lot a lot of involvement in the the early seasons of the Simpsons um, so that's, interesting, especially if you watch reruns, you'll, and I know, uh, Joe, you've been watching or you used to, you're, yeah. you're watching, where do you watch it now? I've, 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 I've lost track of your Twitter threads. I'm in, I, I stopped doing it because like, there's not enough good pictures of, of, uh, King of the Hill. Like I'm in season seven of King of the Hill uh-huh. and I'm in season 14 of the Simpsons, a season that I do not really like the episodes. So instead of just like, like there are good jokes, but like, I'm not like passionate about it. So I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on, you know, tweeting about these, but yeah, I'm yeah. about Almost halfway through The Simpsons and about halfway through King of the Hill. I mean, any 90s kid like me knows, like, these the golden years of The Simpsons yeah. are, like, are seasons two through, like, 11. And that's mm-hmm. being, gen- that's being like, generous. Most people, like, nine or ten. Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, those early those early runs, when you watch those when you watch those reruns, you know, it says right at the top of the credits at the point they start, consulting producer, Brad Bradford. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing how many people come from that show. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. makes sense because it's the best show of all time, you know, arguably, right? So, like, that there's a help. lot of talented yeah. people that come from it. Yes. Uh, so it's based on a book called The Iron Man that was changed to The Iron Giant so they wouldn't confuse it with the character Iron Man. Um, oh, and he's, and he's big. In the, in the yeah. book, he's just a regular size. Not that. I'm oh. That's, no, I'm, I'm kidding. No. That's right. That's what I made that up. Be like, oh, they changed the name and they also changed the size. That's wild. <laughs> he's just a regular robot pallet around with this kid. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but it was originally meant to be a musical, which I'm sure you would have loved, Joe. But actually, you might, I'm, I'm saying yeah. sarcastically, but you actually might have liked it because it was Pete Townsend was delivering or d- developing it. So it was going to be oh, kind of like the Who's Tommy. Yeah. Okay. So wow. it might have been more like Tommy or whatever. But then they're like, hey, it's going to be it's going to be better as an animated feature. And so they just pitched it like that. And it, it sort of diverged from its musical roots. But I would love to see a Vin Diesel as an Iron Giant singing songs in his minimal world. He only says the I think the count is 53 words in this movie. Um, so, you know, it might be hard to get a song in there edgewise for him, but could have been fun. Yeah, and Pete Townsend being the one who's running it, fuck yeah, I'm in. Count me in. And then the only other note that I think that I have about this movie is that Vin Diesel, obviously the voice of the Iron Giant, they wanted Peter Cullen, Sean Connery, Frank Welker, or James Earl Jones. They considered them all to do the the voice, but it went to Vin instead. They wanted John Travolta to do the Harry Connick role, um, the, you know, the junk scrap guy and they oh. wanted Arnold to do the voice of Kent Mansley the red-headed uh, military guy who wound up being voiced by Shooter McGavin <laughs> Shooter McGavin as soon as he said as soon as he said two words I was like is that Shooter McGavin and Rich was like, you know, Shooter McGavin and Arnold, basically the same exact person, right? Same exact voice, same exact yeah. cadence, same exact delivery. So you can see why it, you know, it goes from one to the other. But yeah, we got Vin Diesel, we got Harry Connick Jr., we got Shooter McGavin and Christopher McDonald, we got Jennifer Aniston. It, it's wild that this is like the best movie of most of these actors. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's where we are at. Well, right it's now. funny that Jennifer Aniston's, I think, objectively two best movies both came out in 99. It's this and Office Space, right? And she's like, oh. like when we talked about Office Space, we were talking about this her is movie correct. career. Yes. And it's like, she's done other stuff that's not bad. Like, I like Horrible Bosses. I like, to a certain extent, We're the Millers. But she's always still just like Rachel. Like, she's never yes. broken free of yes. Rachel. And here, it's just like, no, she had two great movies come out in the same year, and then nothing really since. And it's just, it's wild that she was so to, successful. To be fair, Office Space is basically Rachel also. She's just more I fed know. up with her boss. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but I know we heard uh, from Aaron briefly. But Joe, what did you think of your of the Iron Giant the first time you've ever seen this? I thought it was really cute. I, I it actually um drew me in pretty well for being like you know an animated movie. I was thinking like as I'm watching this that I really miss this kind of Disney animation style, and I wish we had some more stuff like this. Like everything feels so CGI and like uh computer animated type stuff anymore and this had like that really like old disney feel to it you know what i mean so like, i'm gonna stop you because what? brad i'm sorry because brad burp would so like slap you because he's so he so he was so anti-disney during this period like he, he left disney because he didn't like what they were trying to pitch him as far as like how how he wants to animate films versus what disney wants to do where he made but, like, come on it's way similar to that than it is to like I would th- I would throw this back at you. I think what? the the key that Brad Bird wants to do here, and what he brings to Incredibles also when he goes back to Disney, is he's animating a lot of scenes that you can see in live action. Where Disney's whole thing is, you should do stuff that you can't that can't be real. It should always be fantastical. And okay. Brad Bird's whole thing is, I want to bring a real life element to my animation. That's that's a big part of what of his philosophy behind anim- the animated genre medium. That that totally makes sense. I would um. It's more specifically like the animation style that I'm talking about, like the more hand-drawn type feel and and like everything in CGI is so like rounded, right? Like it's so, it just, it just feels round for some reason. Like, you know, like we like, we were, we were all polygons in video games for a while. And then like everything like in, in CGI animation to me, when I turn it on, seems just like circle, like spheres, for some reason, and I like the like texture and feel of of something that's partially hand drawn, at least. That's certainly fair. I hear you, and I'm not trying to like stop. I'm just, I just, I just okay. keep thinking about Brad Bird's um, his reaction. I, yes, there's a cool, there's a really cool documentary on this Iron Giant disc um, Blu-ray um, that goes over his history as an animator. That's that's very much worth checking out as far as like tracing tracing both the history of him as well as this movie. And how it went on to do terribly. Um, it's it's very honest, which is what I like about it. It's very it's very not holding back. While we're on that topic, I meant to look and I ran out of time and I did not get a chance to look. Is there footage of them like recording the voices in the booth? Because like one of my favorite videos that I saw for Cage Club is the video of Nicolas Cage recording his voice for the Crudes because he is using the entire you know space of the sound booth for his arms. He's like gesturing wildly, and I kind of want to see how Vin does the work here like did you do you remember did you see it or no i can't say for sure if there i can't recall exactly but i wouldn't be surprised if there is some footage um just because they tend to try to get some recordings of those kind of things going but yeah that's it i find that fascinating like i you know i don't necessarily need to see a whole movie of just them doing the voice recordings but it is interesting to watch actors acting in their booths because they're playing characters yeah watch bradley cooper do rocket raccoon he is into it he's doing the role he's not just sitting there (laughs) saying some lines yeah just did a youtube search looking for that i didn't see it you know i just looked very quickly but there are definitely videos of vin doing groot so if you want vin in the sound booth you can get that i just want to see like how he embodies because this is so early vin you guys know know the groot thing right with vin diesel what is what? the Groot? What do you mean the Groot thing? He stood on stilts so he could feel the the the, the height of being Groot. Super cool. Oh God, no. He stood on stilts in the that. in the voice on in the voice booth so he could better be in character. Well, I just saw a thing today that our greatest <laughs> actor, um, uh, Jeremy Strong, lives in the clothes that Kendall Roy wears. So like he, you know, he's our greatest uh, 
method actor, I guess, working today. So Vin, I guess, is right there with him. He is, you know, a, an honorary Roy, I guess. I mean, saying Kendall Roy, li- like saying Strong lives in the, cl- it's like, oh yeah, he gets to wear designer suits all the time. Yeah, he oh, wears suits, terrible, exactly, yes. terrible for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a real slave to the to the process. Yeah. <laughs> but he, I mean, there was that, there was that profile that like went viral last summer where yeah. it's just like, oh, he is, you know, committed. But that's just like another thing that I saw today. So, you know. As long as he's not, you know, raping anybody, do whatever you want. Like, exactly. <laughs> what's the problem? <laughs> I think this is our earliest Vin Diesel movie that we've covered so far. Boiler Room was 2000, Pitch Black was 2000, but this is 99, obviously. It, we'll cover some earlier ones from here on out, but like I think that this, you know, comes on the heels of Saving Private Ryan and I don't know if if like I feel like animation you have to record so early, so I don't know if like he got this because of that, but this is definitely an actor on the rise. And even though he's not really the star, he's the title character here and I feel like this is a big step forward in his career in terms of like sort of in a way leading a movie like this is this is a big deal for him i think career wise in in you know in his history and it's yeah. hilarious to me that like you have this and then you have him do Groot and Guardians and they're both characters that don't really say anything like those are like two of his biggest like he's is he voice acting anything else besides like pitch black which he's just playing himself that's a very good question. Has Vin Diesel done any other voice work? He's done like some game stuff, but nothing like a movie, huge. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been grooved. Obviously, in, like, he's like he's Riddick, he's Riddick in the games. Like he's done that. He, he, right. Yeah, Wheelman. That's what it was. Wheelman, because they were going to make a Wheelman movie, and and they just they stopped at the game. I think the and the Rock. I think did something similar. The Rock had like a game where like. Spy Hunter. That's what it was. He was like Ooh. he was a, a voice in like the Spy Hunter remake video game, and they're like also going to make a movie out of it. So both these guys, <laughs> they, they are, they're trying. They're trying this whole yeah, multi, they're multi platform thing. He also is a voice in the Parallel Parking Dinosaurs sequel. Joe in Ark, the animated series. He's doing a voice oh there. <laughs> he's been Dom Aaron. Voice. There's a joke that that Ark is just parallel parking your dinosaurs because my one friend was playing Ark for a while and he'd be like oh man I had to put all the dinos back and then like spend hours just like lining them up for no reason so sorry I had to fill you in on the, the, the parallel parking the dinos joke if I had to guess as far as the animate for you know being involved in Iron Giant at that point in his career it's probably Spielberg like he had, you know, he Spielberg saw him because of his movie, his right. uh, like the movie he made, multifacial, and he put him in Saving Private Ryan. I wouldn't be surprised if Spielberg just gave the word out, like this guy's great, you got to cast him in things, and so that card probably got him into the door in a lot of places. Yeah, he was an uncredited orderly in Awakenings, then multifacial, then Strays, Private Ryan, and this, and then right into Boiler Room, right into Pitch Black, right into Fast and Furious. So like, so he's it's going to very yeah. quickly, yeah, be like, and of the course, Knock Around Guys is somewhere in there. <laughs> he films that. It comes Knock out. Knock Around years- Guys is the same year as, as it's O one. Also, yeah, it comes out years later but they film it like early it came out like way later like got delayed for whatever reason <laughs> yeah so like it's you know this is this is an early early vin movie and again doesn't say a lot but i think carries it really well i think he's great as the iron giant yes <laughs> I mean, you're, you're and i'm exactly not afraid right. to say it no, no he's, I, yeah. I care about this character i care yeah. about it because of the ways animated and yes because of the minimal interactions he has via dialogue they work they are lines that you know aren't throwaway when he says something, it means something. Exactly. And, like, the the you can fly, you can fly, I forget is from this movie, but I feel like that's such, like, an iconically quoted, maybe, line. But, like, the, the I love the, like, 
it feels, you know, we're, we're, we're drowned now in superhero origin stories and just superhero movies in general, but to see him so naturally, naturally and effortlessly discover his abilities is so cool. And I just love, like, I just love him, like, finding out what he can do and, like, the limits of his powers and having the kid with him, having Hogarth with him, like, exploring that and sort of voicing that is, like, being the audience surrogate. I think it's just super cool. Like, it's done so subtly and in a way that feels earned and doesn't feel, like, overwrought in a way that a lot of newer movies are like, oh, my God, you can also fly. Oh, yeah. This is an incredibly earnest film. I mean, we touched talk about Spielberg. This is a lot of, there's a lot of E.T. in this movie. I mean, this, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all true. over it. And that's not a bad thing, whatever. It's just, you know, the inspirations are clear and it's because it feels so genuine. Or at least that's among the reasons that this movie works so well. It's because it's so genuine, because it's, it's, it's presenting something without, you know, you just talked about all these superhero movies and what have you. There's no snark in the Iron Giant. There's no making fun of the scenario that they're in. There's no winking involved because why would you? This is just a very pure story about a boy and his robot. It's almost like painfully earnest, but like it, like it doesn't go too far. But like I can see like if there was a little bit more earnest or something, it'd be like, oh, that's a little too much. But like they 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 balance the line, I think, so beautifully here. Super well, heartwarming can... to me, yeah. Very much so, and it also you know it has that you know it's a movie set in the fifties that can make fun of the is it fifties um, fifty seven yeah the same yeah. so the same month that uh, Sputnik launched it, exactly is, yeah, yeah done okay yeah it, it so it it has that kind of you know, making fun of things like duck and cover. It's like it has a it yeah. has a take on the time period, but it's not like, you know, punching down at it. It's just more of commenting in its own clever ways. Like, yes, having having a duck and cover video, having constant references to the Ruskies and what have you. Uh, there's little things like like you wouldn't notice this because it's your first time. But like it, when you see this, like the stars in the background and at night scenes, there's a little star that's always going by and that's Sputnik in the background. It's like there's oh. stuff like that that's just really cool and like mm-hmm, really like mm-hmm. fun but you know little bits that he puts in there just as the kind of really put you into that time period but have like a perspective on it even yeah. the animation style of the cars i thought was like really cool and dead on you know what i mean like i really like that piece of it that's like it's animation so you can make it whatever you want right but mm-hmm. like they looked like pretty of the times to me so i was like oh yeah i i instantly felt like okay we must be in the 50s somewhere even like cued in without thinking or knowing the background of that so yeah i think there's a title card at the very top that says 1957 but it's like october 57 it's specifically the month Mm. that like sputnik like it puts you back in time Mm -hmm. in a way that like just kind of works like there's like an an innocence and an honesty and it's just overall great all of these characters are great (laughs) that's the other thing about this movie Um, like we talked about vin diesel obviously but i think hogarth hughes uh nominee for one of the best movie names next to chef chelios of course um is just a really like i i love the kind of energy and curiosity and innocence that he that he has Uh, eli marienthal as the as the character like it's it's a really strong lead it's not just like the boring kid it's like oh no he's like he's got his you know he's got plenty of thoughts on on the cold war on you know sci-fi stuff like he's into it and i i think he's key to that relationship of course with with, with uh iron giant yeah so joe favorite moments favorite scenes favorite lines favorite characters in this movie oh i i did really like the kid the mom was much better than i thought the junk scrapper, he was a great character, too, and, like, him coming around and, like, keep popping back up. You know, like, we often talk, like, when we talk about the Fast and Furious, like, how we add too many characters. Like, this felt really streamlined. There's, like, 
there's like five characters and that's pretty much perfect right mm-hmm. like and they keep like coming in like weaving in and out nicely so i like the flow in that sense like the character pace but i think the iron giant was just super cute like the character of the iron giant and a lot of like my favorite actions were just like him uh dealing with like humanity Right, sure. like saving the kids, watching the deer, uh, just like his relationship with like realizing that the kids saved him, him trying to fix the train, the train track, like all of these things are just like you know he's a giant baby. It is like Big Hero Six type stuff, right? And like I like it in that that way. So yeah, it, fe- it felt genuine, and all, all of those things were like my favorite things. So like maybe not like one specific moment. But like the idea of like just how gentle and stuff he was, I think it's a good message. I, th- I think this plays well for kids and adults too. I was surprised by how much I liked Harry Connick Jr. in this movie. Like I, I don't, I didn't think that I ever like had an opinion about him one way or the other. And then I thought he was so good as like the kind of like mentor, sort of kind of like confidant, sort of the kind of just you know shady guy, but like with a heart of gold in a way. Like I thought he was great as what's his character's name? Dean, right? Dean, yeah. The like, scrapper, I, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised by how much I liked him. I did too. I, I like. I really thought this was gonna go bad, like from the beginning, as watching it for the first time, like not knowing how this is gonna go. Then he shows up there later, and I think it's gonna go bad again. But like, when you get that shot of like after he calls and what's his name, Hogarth, it runs over. Garth. Hogarth, yeah, Hogarth. Sorry, <laughs> Hogarth runs over, and he comes in there just like doing arts and crafts together. I was like, okay, perfect. Yes, I really like this character. Harry Cotton Jr. Like he doesn't act. A t- he, has, he has like a good amount of credits. He's not a you know he's a he's a he's a singer. Like so he's, you know, his, yeah. his, his other job. He acts occasionally. Um, I generally find him pretty reliable on screen. I like him Independence Day. He's really creepy in a copycat. Uh, he's got a few other roles. Or I'm like yeah, whenever when he he's not the problem. Even if the movie's bad. Um, uh, but yeah, I like him here. I like him as a beatnik. I like this uh, the vibe that he brings to it, and I like that it's Harry Connick Jr. Someone that's not an A-list movie star. It's the right. kind of thing where you cast who's appropriate for your animated film, not who will get you the biggest names or whatever. So, uh, no, I, I quite appreciate it. No, and I think that's another thing that like kind of can't be understated or undersold here is that so many movies today, like, and then it's not always bad, but so many movies today cast people specifically because, like, a kid will go see, you know, I don't know why her her name popped, but like Aquafina, like the kids don't love. Do yeah. kids love Aquafina? Maybe they do. I don't know. Larry the Cable Guy. Larry sure. the Cable Guy. <laughs> yes, they'll just cast somebody um, as a character because like he'll he's there's a draw, but it's like just no cast the voices like because at a certain point maybe that's why maybe if they had ca- maybe if they had stunt cast they would have made more than twenty three million dollars. But you know you have the younger brother from American Pie that same year, Jennifer Aniston the same year. Just like you're getting voices and voice actors that are good in the part. And it works. It pays off. It's not just like, oh, that's that. That's X, Y, Z. Like, at this point, people don't know Vin Diesel's voice. They probably know Jennifer yeah. Aniston. But, like, even – I don't think Jennifer Aniston, like, really sounds like her that much throughout. Like, I no. am nope. – I'm much better with voices than I am with faces. And I mean, at that point, you're already in the theater. It's not like they're like, oh, she sounds like Jennifer Aniston. Therefore, I'm buying more tickets. Like, it's like, – Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, yes, they're, they are playing characters. Not, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. But like, no, it, no, 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 no. But uh, yes, as far as like casting for the sake of poll, right. like, yes, is it nice to have a, you know, someone that's on the most popular show on TV, Jennifer Aniston? Like, sure, that doesn't hurt the movie. But yeah, it's not, it's not you know, it's not like you're casting Brad Pitt and Megamind. That's my worst example when it comes to right. like, A-list stars who don't have voices for v- VO- for voiceover recordings. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's not one of them. <laughs> this is not right. the guy you get for these things. Uh, Chris, Chris McDonald, like these are not 
you know, they're they're good actors. They do their job. But yeah, they're not the you know, they're not the ones that are being like, oh, man, now I now I have to see this animated movie in a theater. Because it's not even like there's like stunt casting for like a single like a a, a standalone character, like the general is played by like Arlie Ermey or something like it just they're just and not even that he's a draw. Just like he's like, no, the I recognize guy, his voice right? too, though. Yeah, I don't know who. Oh, that's John. John Mahoney, John Mahoney is the voice. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's from Frasier and. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's I, yep, I, the dad from Frasier. That's exactly I, who it is. I guarantee you, Arlie Ermey was contacted. Um, he was probably <laughs> he was probably busy doing a Toy Story two reshoots because uh, it was a very complicated role. He had to stand there and say lines that he said many times before. I will say that Arlie Ermey. This is not really a story about this podcast, though it is kind of related tangentially. But Arlie Ermey was on one of my favorite podcasts of all time. I was there too, which is where Mac uh-huh. Arley interviewed bit actors and you know small like character actors from movies, or they had small roles. And in the same interview, in like the same like year or whatever, they talked about movies he was training Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise. And I was like, Mike, we should do both these actors together. But like you know, Saving Private Ryan, he did a lot of work on, and Vin Diesel, you know, got his big on-screen break in that movie. And so Arlie Ermey, you know, somewhat sort of inner twined with Vin in a way, but, you know, also with my podcasting history. So shout out to him, I guess, for making me watch every goddamn Tom Hanks movie. Thanks a lot, Arlie Ermey. R.I.P. Aaron, favorite moments, favorite thoughts, anything else, any other characters, any other lines, any other, you know, scenes that you that really stand out as is this one of your favorite superhero movies, one of your favorite animated movies, one of your favorite 1999 movies? Uh, God, I still need to make that definitive 1999 list, which will be quite long and fun to organize at some point. I should do that on Glitterboxd immediately, um, which I've been saying for years. Uh, I never really thought of this as a superhero movie. I get that. I get where that comes from. Um, yeah, but, I wouldn't uh, read that either. When you said that, that felt kind of weird to me too. Sorry. Like, oh, no, it's, it's it's Superman. He's Superman. You're right. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, I get it. Like there's a reason that they're reading Superman comic because he's an alien that flies from outer space and has I get Superman it. powers. Yeah. <laughs> what if what if this month James Gunn's like, okay, guys, we got all the news that you wanted to hear. Okay, Green Lantern movie on the way. Blue Beetle still going to theaters. By the way, we have a new Superman. We cast the Iron Giant. Who? Did yeah. you still, no, no, we cast the Iron Giant. We have a we have the. <laughs> We have the uh, Ready Player One mock-up of the CG Iron Giant. We're just going to throw that in there. We'll put him in a suit. He's going to play. He's not going to be the Iron Giant. Don't get confused. He'll be voiced by Vin Diesel, but he's not Vin Diesel. And he's not, <laughs> He's the Iron Giant who's playing Superman. Vin Diesel uh, is the Iron Giant. Is, is Superman. Superman. I love I was, it. I was thinking, you know, as I'm watching this and thinking of him as Superman, I'm like, could Vin play Superman? I'm like, kind of. But also, he. I don't think he could play Clark. Like, I think that's the holdup. Yes. No, yeah, like, yeah, not, yeah. not at all. He, he'd play some crypt. He could play, like, one of the muscle guys that Zod hangs around with. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, he could play the guy for Superman, too. What was I saying about this movie? Um, no, just far, about your favorite, like, where it ranks yeah, or you know, anything yeah, like that. Um, you know, it's probably on a short list of my favorite anime. Ah, it's in there. It's be, it, that's a long list of anime movies. There's a lot of good anime movies. Well, there's also a lot of good 1990, 1999 movies. Like, I don't great. know. Like, yeah. <laughs> we've done, like, 18 features for that show. And, like, mm-hmm. I I kind of love, like, 14 of them. Like, it's it's. Cra- I know that we're, like, yeah. hey, we're cherry picking the best ones. But, like. There's a lot of goddamn good this, movies that year. It's a really great movie. That's that's the bottom line right yeah. there. As far as like scenes and stuff, uh, for one thing, uh, Christopher McDonald, I think, is my favorite character in this movie. I think okay. he's so pitch perfect doing what he's brought to, you know, other villain roles as Kent Mansley here, I think really works well as this kind of blend of the paranoia of that time and just being a Christopher McDonald type character. Um, and my favorite scene is probably that montage of him and checking in on hogarth and calling him you know sport uh oh the shots of like sport Uh, bud hi pal yeah like this thing yeah that stuff i think is really fun (laughs) so many wonderful iron i really like because it's an animation thing too just thinking of like 
every shot costs money when you look at animation. So like yep. that shot of the Iron Giant where he has to fix the train tracks. Yes. And he's so trying to get it right as far as like arranging that one track in the just the right way. Mm-hmm. And then he still gets hit by the train anyway. Like that's a really like great sequence. I just I like the way that plays out. And then obviously when he, you know, the bomb goes off, like that's just, you know, if you're there, you're there. <laughs> that kind of yeah. Thing. No, I, I think this is a movie that I did not take a lot of notes on because I was just watching and enjoying, but I feel like it really, like, it doesn't start slow by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like it gets even better as it goes on. It builds and as nicely, he yeah. talks a little bit more, as he learns a little bit more, as things go on, as he has more agency over, like, who he is and what he's doing and how he's able to help this town. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that there's so many good moments toward the end of the movie. Like, the final act is just, it's so good, and I think what we were saying before about like using characters sparingly, having them all like in one scene at the end and basically like all like, we're about to die, like duck and cover, like, okay, yeah. LOL. Um, but the Iron Giant's like, no, I'm going to save this town. I'm going to go do a good thing. I'm going to, you know, earn my brownie points. And I just, again, it builds into such a nice thing. Also, without credits, this movie's like 80 minutes long. Like it's very nice, very so short, fast. wonderful. I'm stupid. I forgot my favorite, my actual favorite scene. Uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> it's when it's when they're all playing, or like him, Dean, and the giant are all like hanging out, and they're playing at like the lake or whatever. And the giant does a fucking cannonball yes. into the lake, yes. and it takes all the water away. And Dean's sitting there with the newspaper, and he puts it down, and he sees a wave coming out, and puts the newspaper back up again. Mm-hmm. And, then he's and then he lands on the road, and and the guys in the car is like, "You know what? Yeah." <laughs> he just kind of stops him, stops from speaking. That's that's a lot funny. of like, that's a lot of good comedy fun. Right like there. the Iron Giant, just like a big kid, like he's just learning how to control his body. You know what I mean? Like, yep, yep. Not that this is the same thing, but like I have cats that are like a year and a, they're closing in on a year and a half, and I feel like they still don't know like how their bodies work. And it's just like, how do you not know? Like you've been around for so long. Like how do you not know how to sit down right? Like it's just it's funny to see like things growing up, like whether it's a cat or an animated giant. And just being like, oh, you have no idea how like just physics work yet. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a wonderful scene. The music is really solid in this movie. Who did the score? I didn't even. Look it's that Michael up. Kamen, one of his last scores, because he passed away. I think in like two like early two thousands. Oh, he also did the scores for Die Hard, the first X Men, Brazil, yeah. Event Horizon, Lethal Weapon. So mostly action stuff. This is a little bit. Seems like a little bit of a detour. Roadhouse, License to Kill. Um, but yeah, okay, cool. That's that's nice. That's very cool. So shout out to him. Yeah, the music is good. I think it looks beautiful. I think what Joe was saying about like the hand drawn, like I think it's just nice to see like a movie you either haven't seen or haven't seen in a while from a different era. You're like, oh yeah, movies used to look and feel different. It's the kind of, and I don't want to short shrift the the good work that's going. Like I get that there's, you know, that's the dominant that that's the dominant thing, and actually it's pretty wild to see there's like four stop motion animated films last year, which is great. Yeah, the hand drawn animation is such a you. And it's not like, you know, CG just pops up overnight and it's easy, but like seeing, like you're saying, kind of, you know, having a more tangible version mm-hmm. of what this is, you know, knowing that so many hands were literally on this to make it come to life. Um, it's something special that you just don't get much anymore, if not at all. So uh, it's a nice nostalgia for us. I, I like it was def- there was definitely some nostalgia there, like not specifically for this movie, but just like the hand drawn animation style. I was like, oh, man, like I forgot how much I missed this because like. I I think objectively a lot of the new like CGI movies are better for many re- like story whatever con- whatever characters voice actors just everything 
but just like we losing that that like yeah that the tactile feel of the like you know somebody drew this and you could see like when you see a shot on a hill that you're like oh yeah like look they drew all these rocks and we're looking at the up this hill because it, it saves them from having to draw it 50 times you know what i mean like it's not like moving and i think there's just something cool about that to me yeah i do wonder if like because i think you're right i wouldn't agree with the way that you said it but like i think most modern animated movies can be a lot better i don't think the most yes, are that's what I mean. but i think most yeah. can be just because of like what you were saying but i wonder if kids today because i think like shows like bluey like look beautiful like the new pixar movies look beautiful i wonder yeah. if like kids today and like not that any of us have kids we're the wrong people to talk about this but like i wonder if kids today like watch these older movies and if they're like why does this look weird or if they like if they like the way it looks because obviously like the hand-drawn thing was the way to do it for like decades right but i wonder if if kids who grow up on purely cgi stuff and go back to hand-drawn if they're like I love this. This is so wild. Or if they're just like, no, like, I don't want this. I want computer stuff. Even if they don't know how to like describe that. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if there You're is. You're saying it right there as far as it's a matter of what they're watching to begin with. And uh... yeah, they're, they're not they're not controlling that at first. You know, someone's putting it on the screen or on the TV in front of them. So it comes down to what the Exposure. parents are choosing to do. And is it easier to just put some streaming show on Netflix and let it go? I suppose. But if there's a conscious effort to, you know, expose a young child to Studio Ghibli or whatever, right? They could put on Miyazaki movies. To to Totoro, to Aladdin, to Beauty and the Beast, to Pinocchio, to any number of things, as well as, you know, Toy Story, Shrek, what have you. Like, there's a way to balance these things in the same way that, like, you know, watching black and white movies. Oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. like this is like, I was raised on Hitchcock. Like that's my, that's what my mom showed me Hitchcock movies when I was young. So it's like, I, I've never had enough, you know, a, a, I've always had an affinity to older period of time as along with, you know, the newer stuff coming out, but you know, not everybody's the same and I'm not begrudging anyone for having different experiences, but like when it comes to kids, yeah. Yeah. It, you, you ideally in my eyes, if you want them to recognize the, amount of great stuff that's out there it's 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 just about mixing mixing the you know what you're what you're showing them i think uh, speaking of hitchcock very quickly i i forgot that we did spellbound for this show because like i was looking to see huh. other 99 movies and i just sort of by date added or like date it came out and i'm like when did we do spellbound i was like oh memory loss lap but we did so many movies so quickly in the pandemic that i, I don't remember i was like when did we do spellbound it's like you know two or three years ago but like who knows um but yeah, I think that there's there's just something to watching a thing from a different time. That's just wonderful. Like, you know, going back and watching these like 70s car movies where they're actually doing like real stunts and they're not quick cutting away and like they're letting yeah. things actually like they're capturing it in the camera as yep. opposed to like, oh yeah, like whatever, we'll just fix it in post or like they're not, or, you know, whatever. Like there's stuff like, again, to the animation point from earlier from Joe, movies today can be better than ever, but like too often they just aren't for any number of reasons. And so just going back and watching a thing from a different time is nice. And I think that watching this movie, for any number of reasons, is a thing you should do. I think the fact that it's a period film also makes it, it just gives it, it doesn't give it a timeless quality, but it gives it a, you know, whatever you want to call that version of nostalgia as far as it's, you know, it's, it's set here and it has a distinctive feel because of that because it's not only being a hand not only a hand drawn enemy movie not only is it a sci-fi movie but it's a movie that's set in the 50s and it, it just it has a little extra something i think going on there that adds to it given the simplicity of the story yet it has these you know ideas and whatnot kind of bursting through yeah 
Joe, any final thoughts on the Iron Giant? Anything that you have you took a note of or you yeah. thought of that, that we haven't only, talked about? Only the relations to the Fast and Furious things that like we get another movie where like Vin is invincible essentially. Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he has a run in with a train, very much like the first movie. Vin spends most of this movie running from the cops again, which uh-huh, we've now uh-huh. seen a million times. Fuck, Jennifer Aniston working at the cafe. I was like, this is very Mia. Like, this could be Toretto's market and cafe and diner. So. I was thinking as we were as I was watching this, I was just like, am I, are there Fast and Furious? I'm like, no, I guess there's not really. And then, like, the fact that, like, those are all, like, very obvious, very in-your-face, not like, oh, there's, like, a tech guy and he's, like, Jesse. It's like, no, those are, like, overt, like, invincible running from the cops working at a diner. It's just like, oh, no, those are, like, all, like, pretty hardcore connections. Fast so and Furious, yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I was laughing about. Dean lives on a, Dean lives kind of outside of town in his own area, just like Vin and F in, in F9. Mm-hmm. Hanging out at like a scrapyard feels very, mm-hmm. fa- like, that's not like overly Fast and Furious, but it feels very Fast and the Furious, like the backyard of like Vin's garage, right? Oh, and for anybody who is an old-timey car nut, also, you know, animated versions of it, Kent drives a 49 Chevy Fleetmaster and borrows a 54 Oldsmobile 98. So if you care what cars are in this movie, there's the cars. Oh. Aaron, any other thoughts, any other last notes before we play a couple games? Gosh, uh, no, not really. I mean, I just, I think this movie is pretty fantastic and I'm, I wasn't aware that it's not streaming. That's a shame. Uh, I think yeah. This this HBO Max is really working out for everybody, huh, guys? Um, yeah, it's really, really giving you access to the archives, let me yeah, tell this you. this is a Warner movie, right? So it would be <laughs> yeah, on there, but... Um, no, I just, I think it's pretty terrific and if anyone that hasn't seen it um, that likes anim- just likes anything that we've talked about, I mean, this is an easy, like, I would say a blind buy, honestly, if you just want to yep. add to your animation collection. I agree with you. I think that, like, if you haven't seen this yet, I, I'm very glad that I got to watch it today. I think that there's nobody that's going to have a problem with this movie. I don't think. I, I, I can't say anything even bad about it. It's just too heartwarming. It's too gentle. It, it's beautiful. Go watch it. I'm looking to see if it's still in print. It might, the, the Blu-ray might be out of print. You can get the DVD. Oh, no, no, never mind. You can get it for 9 bucks on Amazon, the signature edition. So, like, yeah. Or you can get it, yeah. It's not from Amazon, but it's from third parties. But, like, it's not ultra super rare like you can still go get that out there so i think you should or you can rent it for four bucks just about anywhere so exactly yeah um one other thing i wanted one other note that i got from imdb trivia was that brad bird was pissed because the animated film tarzan had teasers out for like a year in advance but warner he says only started promoting this four months before and as we're about to watch the trailer you know if they do a bad trailer too it's not like it's not like people have been watching a bad show. It's like, I might as well watch this movie. I've been seeing this trailer for a year. It's like, oh, this is a terrible trailer, and it's only been around for four months. You know, it's like a double whammy. So let's watch this trailer, see how terrible it is. The Iron Giant original 1999 theatrical trailer posted by Warner Brothers. Ooh. Seven years ago, 440,000 views. So not too many views on this. Especially after what Aaron said. I'm very curious about this trailer now. Yeah. Are you guys queued up? Are you ready to go? I'm queued yep. up. All right, three, two, one, play. In a world where Sundays are... I th- oh, God, I thought that was actually it. Two nights ago, a SATCOM radar detected an unidentified okay. object entering Earth's atmosphere. The rain shots are good shots, too. I like those. Some assumed it was a large Everything about the movie looks satellite. good. Like the weather stuff looks good. The people yeah. look good. The scenery looks good. The giant looks good. Mm-hmm. This is something much more dangerous. 
So, I guess you're not gonna hurt me, huh? This is unbelievable. This is the greatest discovery since television or something. Hey, big metal guy! I got food Okay. It makes it look kind of dumb and slapsticky in a way. Yeah, it's this music that's not helping. No. That said, this is like whatever. Like the TV spots, that's more what I'm referring to as far as being like ridiculous. Gotcha. Okay. This makes it seem much sillier than it is, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, this makes it seem like if you're like older, like Joe, if you were 10, you saw this like, I don't know, this is for babies. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it's not, but this makes it look like it's for babies. Also, Jennifer Aniston's character kind of looks like Belle. She does. Yeah, yeah she does. Yeah. yeah. I think I probably saw the, tra <coughs> the trailer for this in front of something else in VHS and was like, I'm not interested. Yeah, that, that adds up. Right? On your copy of Space Jam. Yes, exactly. Something like that. Yep, 100%. Yep. Yeah. Whenever Vin Diesel screams as the Iron Giant, that's when he sounds the most like Vin Diesel, by the way. Also gives away the flying thing. Like, imagine seeing that for the first time and be like, what? He can fly? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. HKR006 has one of the better animated trailers I've seen. Mm, okay, watch okay. more of them. I'm but going yeah, the to www.irongiant.com. Ooh. That's still active. Well, kind of. It's one of those, like, generic, like, Warner Brother websites. Gotcha. Okay. You know, Warner at least has that, you know, they I own the site. I believe The Matrix good. is still up, though. Yeah, Matrix? I remember that. I, I looked that up when we were doing Keanu Club, I think. I was very excited to see that. Okay. So... The Letterbox Game for so for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterbox, has been seen by 1.3 million people. They just did the Letterbox Year Review for last year, and Joe, do you want to guess what movie? I, we, we, this movie, it's not in the top four. It's come up in other top fours. What movie was the number one most logged movie from last year? Everything, everywhere, all at once. No, I think it was like third. That's uh, a good guess. What was the number? Is I will tell it... you that I will tell you that there's something in the way of that number one guess. Something in the way of that number one guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something... If you want to be angsty and grungy as you're solving clues and crimes, I don't know. <laughs> something <laughs> in the way. It's the Batman. The oh, Batman. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like it's already like 1.5 million, and it came out like last March, and this is 1.3. You know Batman I mean? so. it, March makes it feel like it was almost a year before. To I know. Me. Like, when we, that's, well, yeah, we, we did that late last year for movies, and I'm like, it came out this year. Jesus. Yeah, right. exactly. But, yeah. Yep. Okay, so Fury Road, 1.3 million. The Iron Giant, 1999, directed by Brad Bird, starring Eli Marenthal, Jennifer Aniston, Harry Connick Jr., and Vin Diesel. Joe, how many people do you think have seen The Iron Giant? I, it's animated, 99, 99's a big year, but this movie's kind of heartwarming. I bet people watch it a lot. Ah, I'm going to go 57,000. Okay, Aaron, you want to guess? 
I I, hmm, I would go significantly more, I guess, by that. You can, you can go. Yeah, you can. There's no, yeah. there's no way. There's no wrong way to play the game. Yeah. I'll give it a healthy 300,000. How about that? You are both too low. Got to go high. Wow. I figured. Wow. Is it okay. the Million Club? No. No, no, no. no. Yeah. It's not in the Million Club. Okay. Um, then I will say 750,000. 750, no. okay. 422. Uh, Joe, you're kind of close, but somewhere in between, between 420 and 750. 515. One more guess, Joe. Not 438. 482. 482,000 people. That's a ton. Average rating of 4.2, which has it as the number 223rd highest rated film on Letterboxd. Jeez. Most common a 4, then a 5. Overwhelmingly, people that I follow give it 4.5 or 5 stars. How many people out of those 480,000 have this film in their top four of all time? It's a bunch. Uh, a thousand okay aaron i'll say three thousand you're both still too low <laughs> jeez five thousand five and joe is basically spot on again it's that it's that point one percent it's yeah. 4900 just basically point one percent this is like people. an older like being a 99 animated movie like even like with the i was like okay like i get like a ton of people have seen it but like I wow, think this is ton. the kind of movie that a lot of people who become letterbox junkies grew up on. Like, not me, yep, very yep, much but, like, so. yep. I think yep. it's like, this is my favorite kids movie or whatever, right? Because, again, yes. it's a kids movie that, like, anybody can enjoy. So we're going to go. Brad Bird crosses into that geek territory yes. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. We're going to go to Bear Lee Andre, B-E-A-R-L-Y Andre with a J at the end, who gave it five stars, said, can't believe I keep crying at a piece of moving metal, which can say, like, ten words. Five stars. Okay. So Barely Andre's number four favorite film of all time is The Iron Giant. I picked Barely Andre because his first three, their first three, are three of the most popular, most obvious, and sort of widely considered the best letterbox movies of all time. Parasite. Parasite, number three. Joe, number one is another movie you just said not too long ago. The Batman? Nope. The one you said before that. Oh, fuck. What did I say? Oh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's number one. And then number two is another letterbox darling we have covered it on this podcast and aaron a hint for you mm-hmm. the other reason i picked this account is because this is kind of i think no no maybe not kind of maybe definitively my white whale blu-ray this is not out this has not been released huh. but i want this version of a thing more than any other movie oh i know that story but i don't know what the movie is you've covered it on this podcast mm-hmm mm-hmm and I like that this is I. This is a listing. I will, here's another hint um, that might help Aaron more than Joe, but maybe both. I don't know. This is kind of like a, a, a sort of an in between kind of listing that sometimes gets taken off Letterbox and sometimes gets put back on. Um, but it's a very specific <laughs> kind of cut of a movie that we have covered on this podcast. Oh, is it? I would love to have, but I don't know if it's ever going to be released. I mean, I think it could be. Like, there's no, there's nothing stopping other than the director just, you know, putting it out there. But like the Abyss or no. True Lies? Or no, something? no, no. That that because those have been released. This is this version has Not never really been publicly right, but... viewable. Oh, the like the the single cut of uh, Kill Bill. Kill Bill, the whole oh, the bloody whole bloody affair. affair. Yes, oh, I want that. that so bad. You've seen it? 
I saw it at the New Beverly Theater. The Queens okay, yes, yeah, so you, you uh, went to, you went into Tarantino's second home, and were like, "Hey, can yeah. I see your movie?" And he's like, "Yes, sir, you can." That's how it works. Yeah, I, I walked up right to him. I stood there, and he's seven feet tall, so I, I got to his chin and said, "Yeah, let me." Uh, let Is see, he really tall it. in real life? Do you know? He's this? a very he's a he's a. Here's the thing about Hollywood. <laughs> so as one who's gone to various junkets or what have you, everybody in Hollywood is very short, uh, with the exception of Quentin Tarantino and Jeff really? Goldblum. He's apparently six one. Uma is five eleven. So like okay. he casts a tall woman, but he's six one, which is yeah. Uma, I can see her being tall, but I imagine Tarantino's like no, he's like a, he's a five nothing, right? Yeah, like tall, when he's I a tall see guy. Him. He's a tall drink of water. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't think anybody has ever described him as a tall drink of water before. That might be new, but t- you know, a tall line of cocaine. Maybe I was but... when I when I I saw I saw these <laughs> random things. I saw him at the I was at the Scott Pilgrim versus the World premiere, and I saw him there. And I walked up. And I was like, oh, he's much taller than I expected. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino. To I would have had the same reaction, bud. Because, like I said, in my mind, he's five feet. No, because I, wa- I walked by like Seth Green, who could fit in my pocket. So I'm like, okay, sure. everybody really is short. Like it's, it's, it's well, that's the other thing. It's like you know, Tom Cruise is listed at five seven, but he's probably like five four. Like there's also the like inflation of what the actual height is. But like, there's no reason to over over or under exaggerate what Tarantino's height is. Like if Google says he's six one, he's probably six. Harrison one, Ford so. was tall. I remember Harrison Ford guy. being really tall. Yeah. Yeah. And being like, oh, damn, you're much taller than I anticipate. But like, Google he looks says he's also six one. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't help that like Carrie Fisher is like four nine. Like it didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah, she's he, five he, look, one. he looks tall is the other thing. And Mark yes. Hamill was five nine, and Jeff Goldblum is six four. To yeah, Jeff Goldblum Aaron's is ginormous. Yeah, and Gina Davis six six foot flat. So you know, a yeah. very tall couple that very was fascinating. once upon a time. Yeah. I think about this stuff a lot. Wow, Why thank you for blowing this? my mind with Tarantino. <laughs> oh, because of the whole bloody affair. That's right. That's, yes. yes. Yeah. I, 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 uh, when it came out originally, and it was still DVD, I refused to get the DVD. So I'm like, surely, yeah. any day now, they're going to announce the whole the whole well, package in one yeah, thing. Like, what gave me hope was that like I held out. I wanted to hold out on Grindhouse because I'm like, they're going to release the Grindhouse yeah. as the three-hour cut. And like they didn't. Like They announced all these like special editions or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll just I'll buy these. And then like I bought the blue or the, the DVDs first and then the Blu-rays. And then like years later, they're like, all right, here's a three-hour cut. I'm like, then finally. They, yeah, they finally came out with it, yeah. Which is cool, but I'm like, okay, do that with Kill Bill now. Now that, and they still haven't. See, so. I did. I didn't wait for. So, like, I was the, the thing I was waiting for was Sin City. I was like, Rod and Rodriguez is good at this. He's like, he's like, yeah, we have another edition coming out of Sin. So I waited for that, and it came out. So that gave me hope for Kill Bill, mm. and it never happened. So yeah. I eventually caved and bought the DVDs. Then I bought the Blu-rays. Uh, and then, and yeah, the same thing with uh, with Grindhouse. That's where I'm like, I'm not falling for this again. So I got like the steel books that they had yep. at the yep. time for the for Death Proof and, and uh, Planet Terror. That was and, like yeah, uh, the, like the, the old red like red DVD yeah, steel the, books. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. then eventually, yeah, the cool Blu-ray came out that has everything on it. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you, Aaron. Once again, actually, before we say goodbye, is there what's your white whale on Blu-ray? Not a thing that like is out of print, but like is is there some version of a thing? Because you are like me. I think maybe the only other guest we've ever had who actually still buys Blu-rays. Maybe Mark Hoffmeyer does. I don't know. But like, is there something that you want to own? Oh, I know he does because he posts pictures, and I I make him buy things. (laughs) Um, But is there something that you want to own, like the whole bloody fair? That just like basically like I would also like to see Topher Grace's like eighty-five minute cut of Star Wars. But like, I'm not like a Star Wars junkie. Like, I don't really care about that i just like think that's interesting but like is there something that you're like i know this exists but for whatever reason it's not out there is there something that you i got an answer what's yours mine is the seven screen experience of kanye west's movie cruel summer boy that was only played in the desert and then never (laughs) fucking anywhere again and kid cuddy's like the main star in it like 
and it he, you had to build it in the desert with seven screens for no fucking reason. Like, I just want to see it once, but like he only showed it twice in the desert, and then like it's fucking gone. So. Oh, actually, you know what I want? I, it's not it's not as hard as that because like I could just do it myself. But I want them to put out the 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 shining forward and back, like the overlapping, or like oh. or like the Wizard of Oz, like just like you know all those like if you line it up with the dark side of the moon, it's gonna blah blah. I, like, just dude, that's just so incredible. do it. I watch you know what I mean? Time. Just yeah, like get, do yeah. it, like put it out there, right? So yeah. But Aaron, do you have an answer? Is there something that you really, really want? I'm trying to think of something that like doesn't exist in any form because there's like movies that, like there's a few that like finally came like The Limey is one of my favorite Soderbergh movies. Yeah, one of my favorite yeah, movies yeah, that yeah, yeah. finally came out on. I had the DVD forever. It never came out on Blu-ray. It finally came out on 4K last year and it looks wonderful. So like the best example in that regard is like Panic Room, where there's only a DVD. There's not a Blu-ray. I love um, Panic Room. And they keep. Oh. Su- they keep supposedly saying that there's going to be a 4K release, and then that doesn't happen. Well, in that in that regard, I'm sure you were as excited as I was that Inland Empire finally coming out on Blu-ray in March. Like it's it, it's a shitty looking movie, kind of on purpose. So I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like on Blu-ray. But because like, he like I'm, has that he shot like 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 Spike like Spike Lee bamboozled. It has that digital photography yeah. before digital was like or like high whatever it is before it was before Lucas and Rodriguez were like, hey, we can do this. In his later career, David Lynch, like, just started using, like, not sh- – I'm sure they're not shitty cameras, but, like, he started making – he filming things like – like, the new Twin Peaks somehow looks beautiful and awful at the same time, and I don't know how that's possible. It was, like – he used, like, the newest digital cameras at a time where you shouldn't have used digital cameras type situation. I don't know. Like, like Inland Empire, I think he was doing it because, like – but, like, like you look three years back, like, Mulholland Drive is, like, one of the most – the best-looking movies to ever come out, and then, like, you're like, okay, Inland Empire is, like, a three-hour-long movie that, like, looks like it's shot, like, on a handheld, and, like, maybe it was I don't know, but like Criterion is finally putting out like that was only on DVD for years and years and years, and now Criterion's putting out a Blu-ray, not a 4K, but like a regular Blu-ray. So I'm curious to see because like it doesn't look good. Like it's gonna be cleaned up, but like it's not gonna look good. So I'm curious to see. I'll be surprised. Like Bamboozled looks as good as it can when that came out on Criterion because that's a movie that again yeah shot on that digital tape before like it right was a better source. So it'll look as good as it can given the format it came out on. And like David Lynch is like covered, like Criterion eventually will just have everything that he's done. Like that's been seemingly like one of their main missions. Yeah. Um, Still waiting. I guess straight story. I think straight story. I think is only on DVD. Well, because right? that's yeah. that's Disney, so that's going to be complicated. Mm, yeah. um, the one of the uh, like so, um, from what three two years ago now. So a small axe, the um, Steve McQueen. Um, oh five, yeah, five yeah, part yeah, movie yeah. series. Uh, that's my favorite film of that year. Let alone decade so far along with like rrr um that doesn't have any release because it's just an amazon thing so like i'd love to see criterion put that out that'd be great well that's what like there were so many things where i'm just like oh i don't need to buy that because that'll always be on netflix and then with hbo max like delisting things i'm just like this is no not delisting deleting shit yeah that's that's that is not the right logic (laughs) to have like this is why this is why you have things on on, uh, but like it bums me out that like you know like a movie that i love like never going back is only on dvd like they don't like and i think that was like i don't even know that's still in print yeah like that's not you can't buy like i don't own that because like you can't own like a nice copy of it like it just like i own it i bought it on amazon but like i don't own a physical version which i want to own i want to own every movie that i love and like i can't because like they just like largely stop making them correct (laughs) <laughs> that's what, that's the thing. so I, I do not feel bad about the room full of thousands of movies that i own yeah. that i will always own um, and that mm-hmm. can't be taken away from me at random yeah. so yeah. 
I'm good for having no internet. I'm not good for having no power. Like that's that's one thing that like you know <laughs> yeah. I can't survive that, but I can survive no internet because that's gonna be good. But Aaron, thank you so much for joining us to talk about the Iron Giant and for nerding sure. out on Blu-rays and stuff. Speaking of Blu-rays and what you write about, where can people find you online? What's going on in your world, podcast-wise, writing-wise, so on and so forth? Well, I uh, host a podcast called Out Now with Aaron and Abe with my friend Abe. We talk about weekly movie releases, and we like to have these special fun bonus episodes as well. We are currently at the point where we do our top 10 films of the year episode, which is cool. always a lot of fun. Um, that podcast is that yeah, you can find that anywhere you can buy podcasts. Uh, everything I do ends up on my personal blog, Um I write for Week of Entertainment, uh, where I put my movie reviews, and Why So Blue, where I put Criterion and Blu-ray reviews. And I am on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Cool. And Aaron was just on, not too long ago, our Toy Story 2 episode for 1999 the podcast, and he will be back over there before too long for some movie, and back here before so too long. But if you want to stay in 99, stay with the sound of my voice and Aaron's voice, go check out 1999 the podcast. We talked about Toy Story 2, where it's just like, who doesn't love these movies? So Yeah. We talked about a lot of things on that episode. That was a very tangent-heavy episode. We talked about much more other stuff that we talked about Toy Story 2. Like, we talked about, I think, every other Toy Story movie more than Toy Story 2. But at one point, Aaron's like, hey, should we talk about this movie? We're like, yeah, I guess. (laughs) So... Yeah, that was fun. Um, speaking of animated movies, Joe, our next episode. Actually, Mike, I think the next episode is going to come out. It's going to be The Life in the Fast Lane next week. But also next week we're recording exclusive to the patrons is Ralph Breaks the Internet, Ragged Ralph yes. 2, with yes. Giselle, with Gal Gadot as basically yep. Giselle in that movie. Also Vin Diesel as, I think, Groot somewhere in that movie. That is Michael McGann's patron pick. That will be out exclusively on the Patreon. We've also got Life in the Fast Lane next week. Furious 7 after that. And then in three weeks... We just mentioned his name a little bit ago, but Mark Hoffmeyer will be joining us to talk about oh. one of his favorite Vin Diesel movies. Oh, boy. The Last Witch Hunter. That's certainly a movie that was made and shot on cameras. That Mark loves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am, I am, Joe, I'm assuming you've not seen The Last Witch Hunter. Is that no, correct? No, absolutely am, not. But I'm sure that I'm going to, if Mark loves it and Aaron described <laughs> it like that, I think that there's a good chance that I'm going to find great enjoyment watching this movie we we will find out i'm very curious i saw that movie in theaters um the 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 plot alone there's one very basic plot (laughs) element that i'm not going to spoil please don't still blows my mind i'm like how is this this like it's perfect that sounds right up my alley i'm just very happy that it was indeed the last witch hunter (laughs) no more no more I mean, you could do the last witch hunters. You could do a sequel. You know, just have. There's another stop, one. There's two. Two, two last two <laughs> Don't witch put hunter. This in the ether. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we got some good stuff coming up. Fury Seven with Montez, um, and then the last witch hunter and Ralph breaks the internet, which would be very, very cool. And our next main episode will be Life in the Fast Lane. Some news: we got a date on the Fast Ten trailer coming oh, out do. Feb we 10. Do. So we'll do a bonus episode on that too. Very, very cool. exciting. Oh, so the the week that our fa- last Fast Ten, Fast X, sir. Are you are you officially are you pronouncing it Fast X? That's how I've been saying it for, like, since 2015. So, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, there's the whole, like, fast 10-year seatbelts, you know, jurisdiction. Yeah, that, I, I said this on this show. That's dumb. Fast I X. I know it's dumb. <laughs> I know it's dumb. But I don't know. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe Vin will know what's movie, you know, because he's just, like, Fast and Furious 9, F9, the Fast saga. and Furious Presents, the Fast, fast Saga. Fast 9 Saga. Yeah. yeah. 
They don't make these movies easy to name. No. Unless you're in England, which we learned. But yes. Yeah. The Fast and Furious 10. That's what we'll call it. We'll call it the Fast and the Furious 10. But for all things the Fast and the Furious 10, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Email us. We've got a very big mailbag for next week. So keep cool. emailing in. Family Please. at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page. Get those bonus episodes. The Ralph Breaks the Internet. We are 30th bonus. So you don't want to miss those at TooFast2Forever.com in our store over on TeePublic. And again, come back next week for our Life in the Fast Lane, number five or six. I don't know. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And that was Aaron Newworth of Out Now with Aaron Abe and Why So Blue and We Live Entertainment and Aaron's PS4 and this <laughs> podcast and lots of other things. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you again.